Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another excellent show for you. We are going to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs with a couple of guests. Alex Faust, who is the television play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Kings for Bally Sports West. He called the Montreal-Winnipeg series for the NBC Sports Network, and we'll get his thoughts on that. Also, hockey analyst Nick Kiprios, who won a Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers in 1994. We'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs collapse against the Canadians in the first round. Nick will also discuss the New York Rangers' recent moves, and we will catch up on our days in Hershey, Pennsylvania, when I covered him playing for the Hershey Bears. Well, if you read the June 7th edition of the Daily Gazette Sports section, you read a major announcement. After a long and distinguished career covering high school sports for the Gazette, my first guest announced that he is retiring at the end of uh, July. Please welcome Jim Schultz. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Ken. Good to be here. So what, uh, what led to this decision? I was thinking about this last last year, and then the COVID came along, and it just didn't work out uh, for a bunch of reasons. But, um, you know, I've been doing it for, um, um, you know, 37 years, and it's just time to try some different things. I am uh, – uh, I had a good run. I did it. I want to try different things, and I'm um, pretty much that's about it. I'm, I'm just um, I'm done writing for now. Yeah. I need to step away for a little bit. Not that I didn't enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah. Well, as we're talking here on Wednesday night, uh, you just covered Canada Harry's rally with three runs in the bottom of seventh in the Class C baseball championship game against Lake George. I mean, that's the kind of games you really live for, don't you? I I do. It was unbelievably a uh, great way to finish up i mean come on so you know i uh that's what you wait for you know something really special and i've seen a lot of a lot of special things over the years i mean i couldn't even tell you some i've forgotten and but i do remember a bunch of them um you know the uh perfect game by by uh keith lansley against uh it was shenandoah against schenectady i just never forget it i've seen game-winning shots in basketball uh joe gerard the third just Couple years ago, leading Glens Falls to the state title, I've just seen um, I've seen everything. I've seen everything over time. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 got you into this business, Jim? What 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 inspired you to to become uh, a sports writer? Um, uh, when I was younger, I uh, I've always liked sports. Always loved sports, and uh, I got into reading about them in the newspaper um, uh, when I was a kid. And I just this is great. So that's I, I kept reading them and. As I got a little older, I said, well, I'd like to write this. I actually wrote things at home before. I'm just a little kid, and I'm actually writing stories about the Celtics, and I'm making things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Celtics were big, and the Mets were big for me when I was a kid. So I, I was writing things. It wasn't going anywhere. It was just me. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, into high school, wrote for the paper. and uh, It was mostly in high school. I said, yeah, I want to try this. Mm-hmm. I want to give it a shot. And the objective was always to write sports. And I lucked out here and there, and uh, everything just fell my way. Yeah. And you started out here at the Gazette uh, as a clerk, which, I mean, I, that's how I, I started out when I was in York, Pennsylvania, you know, doing some correspondence and then correspondence and work and then you know, clerk work. Uh, what did you learn from that? I mean, and to, get, to be able to get your foot in the door, I mean, how important was that? That was huge. Uh, Butch Walker hired me about a month after uh, out of college. I've been here since then. Um, and uh, it was just to get the feel of the business, uh, being so young and having not worked in a, you know, of course, the uh, college paper. Uh, this is a different world. This is the real world here. And uh, it was good to get the foot in the door, get a few writing opportunities. What's it like? Mm-hmm. Just to learn what is a paper like coming to every day, you know, and learning from some veteran guys we had here who were fantastic who passed along some knowledge do you know you might want to do this you might not want to do that and uh, they were fantastic uh, some of the guys who were here uh, who you know since moved on wonderful people Rick Stelrick, uh Tom Baji, Mike Kane uh, again uh, Butch Walker were very helpful uh, when I was starting out though I wanted to mention those individuals they were big for me you took over to high school beat uh how enthusiastic, I mean, I mean, you've been doing it ever since, but I mean, did you ever think about 
going some doing something else like the Red Wings or when they were here or the Albany Colony Yankees. You were, were just high school sports was just so uh, ingrained in you and you were so dedicated to it that you just you didn't want to do anything else. I did not want to do anything else. I never desired to uh, move up, you know, to a professional college. Uh, I got my gig two years in. Started to do it. Started to enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, the things that came of it. Seeing how uh, other people, kids, coaches, how they enjoyed what I was doing, and uh, it just went from there. And I I did not. I I wanted to do high schools from uh, uh, since Butch gave me the uh, the opportunity to do so, and I that's where I wanted to stay. And I'm glad I'm I'm leaving uh, having done that. Of course, back in the day when you first started, we were covering. I joined here in 1990. Uh, we were covering a lot of high schools. I mean, and of course, you now now the day and age is you know tough, kind of tough to cover every high school. But to, to make those connections and you know be able to to get the inside scoops, we, I mean, how important was that for the beat? It was huge. Uh, and I'm finding out now all the people who I've connected with, I guess you'd say uh, hundreds of people, hundreds, and uh, that's how you make the connections. And the weird thing, um, not weird, but different. When we were first starting, everyone forgets it's all on phone. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think, how did we do this? Yeah. How did we gather this much information? It was either live, face-to-face, or on a phone. Because that's all you had. And I kind of, uh, uh, I'm kind of amazed, not just with me, but with all of us. And I keep coming back to, how the heck did we do that? Yeah. And we did. We, and the connections uh, that I made 30 years ago, some of them are still have lasted to today Mm -hmm. and uh in my you know announcement that i'm moving on i'm getting these uh letters and things from they're still coming and i'm I'm completely overwhelmed i'm just thankful and just appreciative uh and it just reminded me of how many people i actually did work with it's it's hundreds you know thousands maybe yeah Yeah. and i mean when i posted the story on saturday afternoon uh, twitter just basically exploded uh how Surprised and how touched were you uh, with all those uh, uh, tributes? Very, very much. Again, like I said, they're still coming. I'm getting. An hour ago, I got a few. You know, this morning I got some. Uh, um, it makes me feel great uh, that what I did, people appreciated it. You know, and 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 uh, I guess I came across as a, a good guy, yeah. and and it means so much. Uh, it's hard to even explain how much it. Uh, it means to me they're just one after another and i'm i'm trying to answer as many as i can i am like i wake up i I try to knock out a few and just i want to thank the people who are thanking you know i want to reciprocate uh as much as i can so if if people haven't heard from me i'm going to try yeah yeah you mentioned about you know how this business has changed you know back we were just phone calls no emails there's no such thing as emails back then uh the faxes came along then the the now now social media is really dominated uh i mean is that has that changed the way you did that change the way you cover sports it it's different it's a different world now um the way we gather the information that's what the whole thing is it's uh there's not as much verbal communication which that's where you miss things you know you if somebody uh sends an email the only information you have is on the email now when you speak to somebody you can ask uh okay well now what about this play you can get more information by speaking with someone, so I still enjoy. I'll call somebody. I need. I want more information than the black and white that's on a piece of paper. Um, it's different that way. Uh, the communication is. Uh, there's not as much communication. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And uh, in a way, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just. Yeah, I think you know, coaches and student managers have it easier nowadays with sending email. In, but I don't. You know, as you said, we don't get that. Needed information of yeah. me, especially if there's a game-winning play in the bottom of the seventh inning, and we don't. Doesn't say, does say it. It's like it's it's yeah. Say that it yeah. just doesn't say it. We appreciate people sending the stuff in. Let's let's not get get that wrong, but it just the uh, it doesn't have as much information as really we'd like. Yeah. I think that's the biggest uh, difference now. Yeah. You mentioned some of the highlights. I mean, what is there any one particular, or two particular ones that stand out? Is that just a tough question to answer? It's it's tough. Um, that's unbelievably difficult as far as uh, events and things that I've covered. But what uh, what I'm really happy with and, and that, uh, for example, um, watching the way the entire Schenectady athletic program has come along since the, the merger, uh, I've seen the whole thing. 
Uh, I've seen uh, girls lacrosse. When I started, it did not exist. Mm-hmm. Now the league is thriving. We got sectionals. We got great teams. It's really uh, we're a powerhouse in this area. Watching things like that um, develop over time. Watching programs who uh, maybe struggled, and then a few years later they're winning championships. Things like that. It's it's uh, trends, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed that watching the trends. Yeah. Uh, and again. Uh, um, I do enjoy when a, uh, a school has struggled in a sport down the road, and I've seen it. You know, they're flir- f- you know flourishing and winning titles and things like that. Um, I did want to throw out uh, one thing uh, uh, that shouldn't be in my career. I just feel very fortunate that I have worked with the most successful high school coaches in Section Two history in all, almost all of the sports. Mm-hmm. Ken Struby and uh, George Mardigan with basketball. Uh, Craig Phillips just recently with the baseball, Fort Plain. He yeah. recently stepped down. Um, the Cranics with the cross country, just massive uh, football. Brent Sturwald, whoever, wonderful guy, mm-hmm. loved working with. So I feel very fortunate that I've worked with all these individuals that uh, super successful, but these are these, I got along great with these people. We had a good time. Yeah, yeah. We had a good time doing it. And I again. Wow, so fortunate to have done this with all of those people. Yeah. How do you think high school sports has changed between the time you started covering it and to today? Hmm. Wow, that's tough. Um, in a lot of ways, it's similar. It's, it's similar. I mean, leagues change, things change, but uh, the covering of it has not really changed that much. You, the way I would go to a game and approach it. Same thing, grab my information and then... And, and, talking to the uh, coaches and kids afterwards. You know what I did notice? Uh, if you look at the old stories, um, I don't know about anybody else. I didn't talk to kids as much. That is a major difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. And then over the years, then now, if I if I go to an event, I feel it's not complete unless I do talk to yeah. the individual kids, you know, uh, the student athletes. Uh, I think that might be the biggest change, at least cover-wise. Um, um, uh, but that... I, a lot of it is the same, though. Yeah. Teams play, you know? Yeah. Well, what are you going to do uh, once you walk out of the Gazette for the final time? Well, I am going to breathe for a little bit. <laughs> I'm just going to basically do nothing for a little bit. But um, what I want to attempt to do, uh, I do paint and do uh, different art projects, and my house is full. So <laughs> I've never had the opportunity to have weekends to try to go to these sales and things like that. I'm going to give it a go. I can't get rich doing it, and I'm not planning on it, but I want to uh, dive into that uh, environment with those people, crafting, and that's what I'm going to give it a go. And I'm really looking forward to it. Never had Saturdays off before. <laughs> so now I have Saturdays. Yeah. Um, pretty much that and uh, family uh, I really like to spend time with my family mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're close uh, but I'm looking forward to doing that very yeah. much so yeah yeah I mean, of course uh, your Mets are playing well right now so you get a chance to watch them a little Can't bit that's wonderful you know I, I people don't realize we work at night yeah. we have our teams we do not get to watch our teams we don't sit here and watch teams in the office. You we, know, we do have the TV on, but we don't watch. <laughs> the Mets are on right now, and I haven't seen one pitch of it with Degrom tonight. Yeah. Not one pitch. Of course, so. Degrom got hurt again. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not. But yeah, no, uh, that's nice. I haven't had a chance to watch prolonged game after game, which I'm very much looking forward to doing. Yeah. Well, Jim, you've been a professional. You've, you know, you were helping me out when I first came up here, and I appreciate that. And you've done a, I mean. An outstanding job, a Hall of Famer, obviously within football, and uh, yeah. I wish you nothing but success and enjoy retirement. And uh, don't be a stranger. I won't. I, I still, you know, I might do some freelancing. Not sure. Again, like I said, I want to breathe for a while, yeah. and uh, I may be coming back. But I intend to go to sporting events as a fan. Mm-hmm. I just love it way too much to just completely uh, – I've already told some coaches, I will see you next time as a fan. So I'll be around. If people see me, I'm still wearing the Met hat. Don't be – say hi. I you know, love talking to people and I love talking sports. Don't make them pay, folks. Let them come in free. That would be, that would be wonderful. I, I won't say it. We'll let Ken say it, but it would be appreciated. Yeah. Well, Jim, again, thank you again for everything you've done and uh, uh, good, good luck. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. That's Jim Schultz. Up next, we'll talk the Stanley Cup playoffs with Alex Faust of Bally Sports West and NBC Sports Network here on the Parting Shots podcast.
Sign up for the weekly Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers, debate on topics local and national, and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, I'm Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette, and you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. It's the middle of June, and the Stanley Cup playoffs are down to the final four. The New York Islanders are facing the defending cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in one semifinal, and the Vegas Golden Knights are playing the Montreal Canadiens in the other. My next guest is Alex Faust. He called many of the Canadiens' playoff games for NBC Sports Network. He is also the television voice of the Los Angeles Kings for Bally Sports West. We talked last Saturday about his thoughts on the Canadians and what his future will be calling national games now that ESPN and Turner Sports are taking over the national NHL TV contract from NBC. Well, Alex, uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm just hanging here in Southern California. Not many places uh, better to be right now. That's true. That's very true. But uh, you call a lot of the majority of that Montreal-Winnipeg series and how stunning was it? I mean, you look back at the, what the Canadians were they were down three to one to Toronto in that series. They come back to win that series, and it seemed like the momentum is carried over. And of course, as we talk, uh, we, we as I mentioned in the uh, open here, we, we we're talking talk on Saturday, so uh, the series by the time we air the podcast, we'll have a couple of games in. But uh, how impressive have the Canadians been? It's, it's interesting when you go back to the beginning of the season, Ken. Remember that Montreal was you know, considered like they were going for it, you know, that they were, they were going to make a big push this year. Uh, you know, with all the veterans they brought in over the off season. And then of course you have Carey Price and net. And I think it just surprised everybody that they weren't better. I remember they fired Claude Julien, uh, you know, even though they were off to what amounted to about a 500 start. Um, so I, you know, I think to a certain extent it, they were a weird four seed. Uh, right, you know, going up against a, a one seed in Toronto that may have been beating up on some weaker teams in the North. Yeah. So then you start from there, and you know, you you, you look at and say Toronto. Well, that's a you know as, as great as they were in the regular season. I don't think you'll find anyone who disputes the fact that they were a flawed team. You know, they they were not as deep on defense as they would have liked. Um, you know, Jake Muzzin wound up getting hurt in that series, which exposed them a little bit more on the back end. Uh, their goaltending situation was kind of, sort of, in flux all year. And all the underlying numbers for Montreal were, you know, were showing that they were a better team than their record. And I think that kind of came to pass as, as the season um, wrapped up and as the series wore on, you know, Montreal finally found their identity, right? And it, it helped that Terry Price is just playing like the MVP caliber goaltender that he is. So was it shocking in the way that it transpired? Possibly, and, and I, I would buy into that argument, especially, you know, that they didn't concede the lead once in games 5, 6, or 7 against Toronto. Uh, but that they advanced at all to the second round, I don't think was that much of a shock. And I think it's a little bit more of a surprise that they swept Winnipeg, which was a, a solid team that was contending for the division title, uh, don't forget, in the final month of the season. So I think of the, of the two results that get them to the Stanley Cup semifinals, Montreal for sure the sweep over Winnipeg was a, a bigger a stunner, at least for me. Yeah. You think about the last time the Canadians have won, the, won their last two Cups in 1986 and 1993. It seemed to be fluky situations where, you know, in 86, um, Edmonton got bounced in the Smite Division final by the Flames, and you know, the Flyers, who were one of the top teams in the league, got bounced in the first round by the Rangers. And in 93, it just a series, you know, they won like, 10 overtime games that year. It's, you know, they, right, there right. hasn't been... And, you know, I think of the dominant. You know, I, I grew up in the seventies with the Broad Street Bullies and you know, obviously the Montreal Canadiens, mm-hmm. the dynasty of the seventy from seventy six to seventy nine, winning four cups that way, and because they were a dominant team back then. But this Montreal team, to me, has that feeling. It's like an eighty six and ninety three. It could be if they do win a cup, it could be a fluky cup again. Yeah, I mean, it's nineteen ninety three. Don't forget that was a good team. Uh, you know, but I, I would say, you know. Of all the teams to come through and win a Stanley Cup recently, there ha- there has been a really good mixture of speed, skill, size, and goaltending 
But one of the four things that have carried Montreal through to this point in the postseason, it's all four, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they don't have, you know, the marquee outside of Carey Price. I don't think you would, you know, find anyone who would argue with you to say that they, well, that they have a superstar player of their 18 skaters. Maybe you could argue Shea Weber, but, you know, he, I think his, his stature has somewhat diminished, and, and it doesn't appear like he's been playing 100% this postseason anyway. Um, you know, it's, it sometimes happens where you find a team of destiny, and, you know, out here in L.A., uh, you know, when, when that team won in 2012, remember, they squeaked into the postseason, and then just they found their identity. They caught fire in the playoffs, and, you know, that was a team that had a little bit of everything and had a hot goalie that, that won the con smite. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a team that uh, in Montreal this year that you kind of feel could have a, a similar outcome. Um, you know, obviously, the, the, as we as you mentioned, you know, we're taping this before the start of the Vegas series, but um, you know, I, I think that's the beauty of the playoffs, right? Is that the it is a completely different season than the regular season, and if you if you happen to capture. Uh, lightning in a bottle at the right time, uh, you can do some special things. And in this playoffs this year, obviously with the, the format, uh, was you know regular season was just all division games now for the first time. Teams are going to face each other for the first time, which is right. going to be uh, interesting. Uh, you know, it reminds me of the days of the you know the 70s. Again, I'll have to reference that because obviously back then they didn't have the conference set up. It was just you know. And then, you know, you see Montreal and Boston playing a, in a couple cup finals together. The Flyers and Islanders in 80 played the cup finals. Really no East-West, but really it's not going to be easy in, an East-West situation here. you got Montreal's got to do, and Vegas had to do the most traveling, it looks like, uh, for the cup right, semifinals. Right. So, which I think, I think it's actually a little exciting because you, you don't know what's going to happen. Right, and, and I mean, I, I think... Part of the reason the NHL, and you know this, part of the reason why the NHL has had that conference structure is to, for the most part, I mean, dating back to the Campbell and the Prince of Wales conferences, you had a chance in 1993 if Toronto had beaten L.A. in that seven-game series, it would have been a Toronto-Montreal final. Yeah. But the whole idea of East versus West is you want to spread out the potential television markets and you, know, you, you don't want to be caught in a situation where you've got two teams in, you know, Western time zones potentially playing for the Cup. But I got to be honest, you know, I think as a league, you almost, I would prefer to reseed for the conference finals. I actually, I didn't love, you know, all 56 games this, this regular season in division. Uh, there were obvious reasons why it was done that way. But next year, as we get to a full 82-game season, I wouldn't mind this divisional playoff format and and a chance to reseed to the conference finals. I, I think you get, you know, you, the old idea of the previous playoff format, Ken, was to try to build some more rivalries with those two, three games, right? You know, you had the division winner go on to play a wild card team. Then you had that really hot two, three matchup in division. Yeah. Well, are we really getting that much difference by, uh, you know, it, it, there is a possibility of the last wild card team all being from the same division and all four teams, even in that previous format, being from the same division in a playoff. So I don't mind this division format at all. I kind of like it um, because it really helps grow those regional rivalries. You know, if you had a situation, let's say, where um, Vancouver and St. Louis, let's say they play a heated first-round series in the playoffs, well, you know, you only go on to play them three times in the regular season thereafter, and you're not really battling with them in a divisional race. So, yeah, okay, you could build rivalries like that, but are they going to be as long-lasting? Uh, and I think, you know, even L.A. and Vegas, you know, when they first met in the postseason, they had become heated rivals since then. Uh, so divisional rivalries, I, I wouldn't mind seeing this format for another couple of years, uh, even if you run the risk of, let's say, two markets that are a little bit smaller uh, and in inconvenient time zones from the, from the purposes of TV scheduling making it to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Uh, yeah obviously, you, you know, in addition to your work with uh, the LA Kings on Valley Sports, and by the way, are you, are you getting used to saying Valley Sports instead of Fox Sports West? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody's put money in the swear jar just yet. <laughs> but you also, you've obviously been doing work for NBC Sports Network. 
Uh, obviously, the news broke uh, recently that uh, NBC is not going to be doing hockey next year. Be- the contracts between ESPN and Turner. I mean, you've done a great job with your national coverage, along with uh, uh, Brendan Burke of the Islanders. Some of the you know you guys are up and comers. Uh, what what does your future hold? Do you think? Uh, do you think you know, you'll oh, get some games on the nat- more national games with ESPN or Turner? Has anybody reached out to you yet? I, I hope so. I mean, I you know even if, even if they did, I probably wouldn't be in a position to break any news uh, on that front. But uh, but yeah, you know it, it's uh, you know a work in progress, and obviously each network they need to fill out uh, you know their rosters with what they need. So uh, you know I hope to continue. It's, it's so much fun to be able to do these national games, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, it was a total joy to to work the postseason the last couple of years with with NBC Sports uh, and. Um, you know, I, I, it was very kind uh, of you, Ken, to, to categorize categorize me as an up and comer. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just excited to be in the league. Still, you know, it's uh, it's still I have to you know pinch myself certain days to you know realize hey you know you're you're still where you're at. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see where the where the chips fall. Um, you know, I'm excited that there's going to be new blood uh, in you know in the TV market. It's sad in, in a lot of ways. NBC has done a, a tremendous job in in growing the sport, uh, and they deserve you know they deserve recognition for over the last 16 plus years all the work that they've done to, to take it from a place where you know it was hard to find on cable television to where. If you wanted hockey, you knew exactly where to go, yeah. uh, and and that takes a lot of work uh, to do over a long period of time. And they deserve kudos for that. But I'm really excited too for uh, to see what ESPN and Turner do. You know, uh, both of them do such a great job with with presentation. Uh, uh, you know, from NBA, MLB uh, to NCAA sports. I mean, they are uh, they are two really really polished uh, houses. You know, for for sports production, and you know, even just from from the perspective of uh, you know hearing from announcers and production staff, you know they, they do it. They do a really good job as well. Not that NBC did; uh, they, they were first class all the way at NBC. And even my experience this year doing it off a monitor out of out of Stanford, Connecticut was first class all the way. But um, you know, exciting to see you know the next steps for the league. That leads me to my last question for you, Alex. Uh, you just mentioned you call games on a monitor at N- with NBC Sports. I you probably did it with the with the LA Kings as well. How difficult of job was it? Because we, obviously, you know, when you're at the rink, you, you can see what's going on through the entire race. Here, you're relying on on the uh, monitor, and you, sometimes you can't see what's going on behind the play. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe announcers need to be at the rink. I mean, I only did between college basketball and uh, and the LA Kings this year. I think I called a game at the rink only maybe 30 times this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in an 82-game year, you know, we're, we're there every game. And you do miss a lot. Uh, you know, I think there's there's the component of it where you develop relationships with players and coaching staff. and You get a lot more context uh, that can help frame your storytelling. Uh, but beyond that, as, as you described, you know, calling the action, we can give the nuts and bolts. We can do the basics off of a monitor, but if we're being honest, um, you know, the, the job of an announcer is to capture the full picture of what they see and what it would be like if you were a fan in the stand. Otherwise, you know, if we're seeing the same pictures that the viewer is seeing at home, uh, it really doesn't do justice to the sport and, and trying to grow it and, and show how amazing all these venues are, and, you know, uh, to be able to describe what an atmosphere is like. You know, and I do call games off monitor for other sports, too. I, I did it with college football last fall. And again, similar circumstances. There was a reason why we were out of the studio for that. But that will likely continue. College basketball has been that way for a couple of years yet. Um, and I think, uh, and obviously tennis, you know, it's a globe-trotting sport, so it's, you know, it would, it's really challenging to be able to put together logistics to, to be able to do that. I think going forward for, you know, the four major professional sports leagues in the United States, if you're not on site, um, I, I think it's a real disadvantage for your broadcast, at least to have the announcers on site. I know, I know production, you know, it may be another question there, but... Um, you know, there are a lot of people who dream of coming to the big leagues, right? You know, of uh, 
riding those buses in the minors or in junior hockey uh, or in, you know, triple-A baseball, double-A baseball, a dream come to the major leagues. And then when you get to the majors, you're being told that you can't go on the road. Uh, you know, I, I think that's sad for, for the profession uh, if, if that's going to be the case going forward. So I remain hopeful that uh, the announcers will be in the building going forward. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, we, we <laughs> couldn't capture things like we did in the postseason. Uh, you know, NBC really did a great job in hooking us up with, with uh, some feeds that could show us the full ice surface and, uh, you know, we had good audio mixing. Like, it was really clean, uh, all things considered. And I'm, I heard from a lot of people they couldn't tell, which, uh, you know, it, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for announcers to be back in the building. Well, Alex, Alex, appreciate a few minutes talking hockey with you. And uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you uh, next season. I appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk more Stanley Cup playoffs with hockey analyst and Stanley Cup champion Nick Kiprios. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. New York High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back to the podcast. My next guest is hockey analyst Nick Kiprios. He played for eight seasons in the National Hockey League and won a Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers in 1994. I covered Nick with the Hershey Bears while I was at the York Daily Record and he was on their 1988 Calder Cup championship team. Nick spent several years as an analyst for Sportsnet in Canada. He is director of hockey operations for Line Movement and hosts a hockey show on YouTube. I talked with Nick on Monday and wanted to get his take on the first-round collapse of the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Canadians, in which they blew a 3-1 series lead. I also talked to Nick about the Rangers firing of team president John Davidson, general manager Jeff Gorton, and head coach David Quinn. The interview took place a few hours before it was learned that the Rangers were hiring Gerard Gallant as their new head coach. My interview started with a blog Nick wrote five years ago about a biting incident Nick was involved in against the Utica Devils in 1989, and he mentioned me in that blog. Well, Nick, it's been a long time since we've talked uh, back in the Hershey Bear days. It's great to catch up with you again, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Shanti. How are you, pal? I'm great, man. I'm great. It's great to talk to you. I, uh, I, I you know, watch you a lot on uh, NHL Network when you're doing the uh, midday show. I always enjoy watching you. I'm thinking, man, I covered this guy uh, in, in Hershey for a couple of years, and he was always great to me. And uh, and I got to bring something up uh, before we get to talk Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, five years ago, there was a biting incident, I think, in the Stanley Cup final with Andrew Shaw and... Uh, uh, Hedman, Victor Hedman, the Tampa Bay uh, um, Lightning, and you wrote a blog and you admitted on air, I think, that you had a biting incident in a, in a game against Utica and against uh, Steve Richmond, I believe it was. And what shocked me it the most is not not you admitting it, but the fact you brought my name up and because I asked a question about it, and the fact that you remembered me from all that, like I was like, oh my god, I was like, he he remembered me. Oh, listen, it was. Uh... It was a, a great article uh, that followed that incident because one of our most colorful uh, coaches in history and of our game 
is Tommy McVie. Oh, I love Tommy. And he was the coach. Yeah, and, to, and Tommy was the uh, the coach of uh, uh, Albany at the time, or you guys yeah. at the time. And he accused me uh, in, in the article of uh, having rabies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? And, yeah. Uh, how he need, how he needed to get all his players shots for rabies because he, he had no idea, you know, the effect of my bite. But anyways, it was uh, it was you know, listen, Tommy's great, and uh, we had some fun through that. And you know, of course, for you guys picking it up in the media it was a change of pace from you know the regular uh, articles that you write. Mm-hmm. So it was it was all in good nature, but you know. When a guy's gouging your eyes, you're going to do whatever you can to save them, right? right so that exactly. was my scenario. <laughs> that was that was my story, and I was sticking to it. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you, you know, bringing me involved in that because, like, like I said, I I was somebody uh, alerted me to the article, and I read it. I was like, oh my god, I'm, he he actually because anyway, it was it was God, was it 2016 when that when you wrote that article, and I was like, this happened in '89. I was like, I, I guess I made a good impression on you. Yes, very, very good, very strong. And, you know, my whole experience in Hershey and winning the the, the Calder Cup in 1988, and just at the time being a, a member of the Philadelphia Flyer organization, of course, Hershey was the affiliation back then. I just uh, I remember Pennsylvania being very good to me and my family, my parents visiting all the time. It was great. Yeah, and you never, and you always were good to, to us at the media talking to us after games. So we always appreciated that. Uh, I hope we we influence you in, in your job now. <laughs> well, uh, I got a great opportunity from being in uh, uh, Toronto to get into the media, to be in a situation where uh, networks were, were growing at the time. It was only TSN here, and I auditioned uh, coming right out of my career for a broadcasting job and uh it worked out great i was with sportsnet and hockey night in canada all in all combined for 21 years and now just doing a few different things i've got uh i got a business that we started my wife and i a year and a half ago it's a beverage called little buddha cocktail company mm-hmm. so we're selling here in uh in ontario in the lcbo but we hope to be down in your neck of the woods uh, sooner than later. Uh, and that's been a, a great experience so far. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Speaking of Toronto, have the Maple Leafs fans recovered yet? Uh, no. No. And it's only getting worse. Because, <laughs> because the Canadians are still playing. Correct. <laughs> and uh, the other day, uh, our... Our uh, our landmark uh, here in Toronto is the CN Tower, and it, and they lit it up with uh, uh, they lit it up with uh, Montreal Canadian colors and show of support. Oh boy! And I don't think that sat well with Leaf fans, <laughs> uh, but we're in a kinder, gentler era in society now. So there's some that still say, "Ah, no, no, we don't. We we never want to see Montreal Canadian colors in Toronto," but uh, that's. That's where we are in that rivalry as of today. Yeah. What happened? I mean, the, the, the Leafs looked great for five games, uh, or four games. They have up 3-1, looked like they were in control of the series. And I guess, no other, no other way to put it, they choked. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you look at uh, the regular season that they had and the expectations. But, you know, what people still got to recognize, and I think, the Leafs management team was guilty of it, that you got to be built for the playoffs. And there's a certain element of skill, and then there's a certain element of grind. And they had too much skill and not enough grind. They try to build a, a third and fourth line off the likes of Joe Thornton, uh, Wayne Simmons, and it, it never fared well. At times, it kind of got... Uh, masqueraded during the regular season, but totally got exposed in the playoffs. And they're going to have to regroup. There's no question that they got talented players in Matthews and Marner, and they will continue to be great players and world-class players. 
But even those guys have to learn how to play in the playoffs when things tighten up, when the attention to detail is off the charts. Even stars have to find a way to grind it out. Yeah, I mean, between Matthews and Martin, a combined one goal in the, in the seven-game series. Uh, yeah, Matthews had over 40 goals this season. Uh, what happened? I mean, did they, they just disappeared. Well, the, when you when you think about the prep work that goes into every series and the attention to detail, you know, it's never, it's not even close during the regular season. So if you get a scale of 1 to 10 in the regular season, attention to detail may fall at a, a 5 or a 6. And then the playoffs, it goes to a 9 and a 10. And star players can expose that during the regular season, but they can't expose it in the playoffs as much. And that's what makes uh, good players great. It makes great players historically some of the best in history. And if you're not willing to find ways to to grind it out and, and get your dirty goals and I, in our gener- uh, this last generation, Sidney Crosby will always be considered one of the best in history because he could be, he could take his skill level and all of a sudden uh, make it work for him when the checking is super tight. That's what Martin and Matthews are still learning. They're young still. Of course, when you're making 10 and $11 million, everybody wants it here and now right away. And... That's the challenge for management is making sure all the pieces come together at the right time, and the Leafs missed out on that. This team wasn't built to win right now. Mm-hmm. They thought it was, but they were wrong. I mean, the, 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 the fact that you know, it was all just division play this season because of the pandemic, does, did that masquerade some of the weaknesses? Well, here in the North, it, it, it was never... It was never really uh, strong to begin with. We thought all the teams had improved in the off season. The only question was the Ottawa Senators. We had no idea some of these players like Josh Norris, where they were going at the next level. Stetzel, how good could he be in his rookie year? And they had uh, a really good uh, season to progress. But everybody else, I think, underachieved with a level of consistency. And I don't want to take anything away from Montreal because they've, they've stood tallest in this conference final. But the thing about the Leafs leading the pack right from the get-go in the North Division is, okay, but how good are they against other teams south of the border? And I don't ever recall seeing two teams in the North Division all season playing great hockey at the same time Either one team was doing well and the other one was really struggling and vice versa. But I think now we'll we'll see how bad or how better the division was than we thought because it's not against inconsistent teams. It's against a real consistent team in Vegas, per se. Mm -hmm. We'll find out as early as game one where Montreal stacks up and ultimately where that division stood up as early tonight when we see the Canadians play Vegas. Yeah, and as we uh, tape this on Monday, we post on Thursday. The one thing I, um, yes. uh, with uh, the Canadians, I mean, uh, the last two cups they won were sort of, you know, not the dominating cups that we saw in the 70s, the uh, 76 to 79, winning four in a row. It was it was more the fluky one, 86. The, uh, Edmonton got knocked out in the second round. The Flyers got knocked out in the first round that year. They were the top two teams. And in 93, it was sort of, they, they had to win 10 overtime games, and there were some other fluky situations there. Uh, but, I mean, it seems like this, this Canadian team could be one of those teams that, yeah, you know, if they get past Vegas, they could win a fluky cup. Well, yeah. No, no, no. And that's why you play the games, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, never won on paper. And they've got similarities. Or Carey Price um, is is basically a, a Patrick Waugh where you think that uh, he could single-handedly win a game or win a series. Uh, but it's going to be awfully tough against this Vegas team. That It plays a real heavy forecheck and is tenacious. And Montreal still doesn't have the scoring, I think, and the finish that you would expect from a Mark Stone, a Pacioretty, 
William Carlson, Riley Smith, and Marcia. So are guys that have uh, risen to the occasion in the past. And Montreal is very young. Takinemi, Suzuki, up front. Uh, it's going to be a great learning experience no matter how this thing plays out for Montreal. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's why you play the games. Yeah. The history has shown us that, you know, as long as they're on the ice, as long as they abide by the same rules, there's always a chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look at the Islanders, Tampa Bay. Obviously, they see all, the, all these semifinals, the teams are seeing each other for the first time. I, I was impressed with the way the Islanders played. I mean, this team, I mean, they got to the conference final last year and lost to Tampa Bay, but it seems like they're on a mission to close out Nassau Coliseum with a Stanley Cup. Very disciplined team. And I think Tampa Bay, as experienced as they are as defending championships, right, defending champion. Uh, underestimated the Islanders and showed them a lack of respect. Uh, and, and they paid the price for it in game one. The Islanders don't take penalties. Yeah. You can punch them in the face a hundred times and they won't take penalties. And uh, Goudreau, 10 minute mark, punches Paul Mary and ends up going to the box by himself. You want to, you want to, you want to take your chances on that. Then, uh, then you're going to put yourself in trouble. And once they get a lead, they can lock it down. Varlamov is a good goalie that has never gotten over the hump. But when you give a talented goalie opportunity after opportunity, eventually they'll make you pay. I thought the Islanders sent a very clear message that you better give yourselves the best chance to win because if you don't, you're not going to beat us. They are living up to the New York Saints moniker that uh, Bruce Cassidy gave him in the Bruins series. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, when you look at team sport, hockey's as good as any that could tell you that you have to be a complete team. And while you got the perfection line in Boston and McKinnon's line in Colorado... You're better off with three good lines than you are with one great line. And that's what the Islanders are. They're a good team from, from their first line to their fourth line. Can Barzell be a superstar one day in this league? Yes. Is he there yet? Not quite, but he's on the cusp. But outside of that, Got a lot of guys on that Islander team that can muck and grind it out with the best of them. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of chat on uh, Twitter that people would like to see the NHL when we get back to the normalcy next season with the playoff format. They would like to see the, the semifinals reseeded. What do you think about that? They, they, uh, I'm sorry, they want to see it. What they, they re, uh, reseed instead of having a conference final, have you know, reseed reseed the, t- the those yeah. four teams. Yeah, you know, uh, everything's about bottom line and dollars and what makes economic sense and what's the cost of jet fuel. And for me, I, I, I definitely would like to see us seated. To me, it's all about showing that the regular season means something and that, you know, if, if we're better than you over the course of 56 games in a pandemic or 82 games in a regular season, I should somehow be rewarded for that. And uh, to me, that's the purest form. But right now, it's all about economics and what makes the most sense. Travel's tougher than ever. So it it is what it is. Uh, But even for Canadians right now, you know, we knew right off the bat we're going to get a team playing in the conference final. Montreal finished 18th overall this year. 18th overall. Had the Rangers with a better record, more points. They didn't even get invited to the party. Right? Right. So, it's not perfect, but you try to to do the best you can. Who do you think is going to make, who will be playing for the Stanley Cup? Well, Vegas to me is is the team that looks like it's destined and a lot have talked we were talking about a Colorado Vegas matchup months ago and we kind of anticipated that these were two of the top teams 
Uh, and no question that Vegas prevailed. They deserved it. They played harder. They were deeper. And Colorado's not quite ready yet. So we, we got to assume that Vegas will get there through Montreal. And uh, right now, after watching game one against uh, the Islanders in, uh, in Tampa, I'd say that, uh, that the Islanders sent a very strong message after game one that uh, they may have a, a team game that could uh, knock off the defending champion. Yeah. You mentioned the Rangers. As we're talking here on June 14th, it's the anniversary uh, of the uh, Stanley Cup that you were part of, uh, beating Vancouver in seven in a classic seven-game series. What do you remember about that night? Oh, gosh. Like it was yesterday. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> and it'll always feel like yesterday, no matter how old I get. Uh, more than anything, it, it was uh, the relief on Ranger fans who had waited 54 years at that point to win a championship, uh, to uh, to look up holding the Stanley Cup as being a sign that said, now I could die in peace. Yeah. It, was just, it was just a feeling that, that people were just truly thankful for a lifetime moment that they weren't sure was ever going to come. And when you're part of an original six team, Especially one with Ranger history and uh, and that drought, uh, I just remember uh, exhaling for for all of us uh, and truly enjoying the moment of, of watching lifers from generation to generation say, "Hey, we won the last hockey game of our season for the first time in 54 years." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a memorable night. Well, speaking of the Rangers, Nick, uh, what do you make of the situation? I mean, all, all of a sudden, uh, they get rid of John Davidson, team president. Uh, Gorton, GM's, uh, Jeff Gorton's getting, uh, they fire him, bring in Chris Drury, then he fires uh, David Quinn. Uh, to me, it seems like James Dolan, all of a sudden, because the Knicks are playing so well, decides to put his uh, two cents in on the Knicks, uh, on the Rangers, and uh, gets rid of the people. It seems like the Rangers were making progress. I mean, they weren't going to make the playoffs this year, but. They seem to be making that step toward toward being a successful organization. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, first of all, when you own the team, you can do more than just put your two cents in <laughs> any true. position, right? <laughs> put your $2 million but, in now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but clear, uh, he, he ran out of patience. And uh, John Davidson told him a long time ago that it was going to take a little while. I think he wanted more. By, by, by this point. So uh, there's no question that the, the pressure's on Chris Drury now to come in and, and take it to another level. Yeah, they, they've got skill, no question. But, you know, if we go back to our earlier conversation, you don't want the Rangers to end up looking like the Toronto Maple Leafs where they got all this skill, but they can't find ways to grind it out with the rest of them. So I think if he can add a few more pieces... Uh, the Rangers should be highly competitive uh, moving forward. But before any of that happens, go find a coach. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, as, as we tape this, who knows what, what it'll look like a few days from now. But it's almost as if everybody's waiting for Rod Brendamore in Carolina to make some sort of decision to kind of open up the floodgates a little bit yeah. for uh, Gerard Gallant and company. Well, we'll see what happens with the Rangers situation there. Uh, Nick, where can people find you on Twitter and whatever? Also, also what else you're you're doing with uh, besides your uh, uh, com- uh, company? Yeah, well, um, certainly uh, uh, still got my social media at uh, at Real Kipper on Twitter, at Nick Kiprios on Instagram. We do a a, a podcast and a. a a YouTube show on linemovement.com called Real Kipper at Noon. Myself and Doug McLean, former president and general manager of Columbus, who ran it with me pretty good up here in Canada yeah. on Sportsnet. We had a terrific show called Hockey Central at Noon. I always, enjoy, I always enjoyed doing, that. I always enjoyed that. Yeah. Thank you. So it's it's pretty much the same show on uh, on our YouTube channel. 
uh, onlinemovement.com. So we run that Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, please uh, watch, subscribe, leave your comments. We have a lot of fun on that. And then just uh, going about my business uh, with uh, Line, or I'm sorry, a Little Buddha Cocktail Company. And uh, I also wrote the book Undrafted, which you can find on Chapters and Indigo and plenty of great Hershey stories there with mm-hmm. Don Knockbauer and John Paddock and our group in 1988. So hopefully a lot of people would be interested in uh, picking a copy of that up and, uh, um, and hearing some, some, some great stories from my career. Yeah, I was just exchanging uh, some uh, direct messages with uh, Don recently because he was uh, quoted in an, in an Associate Press article about Carey Price because he coached uh, Price out there in the Western Hockey League. Oh, and Don's uh, one of my dearest friends uh, from those Hershey days, and what a mentor he was for all of us, and uh, great memories of winning the Calder Cup and experiencing winning a championship for the first time, and what a great uh, hockey town Hershey is. Uh, You're going to win a a Stanley Cup and a Calder Cup. You won't find two better places than Hershey, Pennsylvania, and New York City. Yes, indeed. Uh, you mentioned Doug McLean before we sign off here. Um, to me, Doug McLean is always the former coach of the Baltimore Skipjacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's where we really got to know each other. Well, uh, when I got picked up by the Washington Capitals, and uh, I had a, I had a, an injury, and I did uh, some uh, conditioning stint when uh, Doug was the uh, the coach. Of uh, Baltimore and Gary Trotz was down there as well. Mm-hmm. Great group of people, uh, lifetime friends, and uh, very fortunate to be surrounded over my career with uh, around some great people that that included Doug McClain. Yeah. Well, Nick, it was great catching up with you, my friend, and uh, let's keep in touch, and uh, we'll talk more hockey yeah. down the road. Hey, a pleasure to be on your show, Schultz. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette Sports Writer Jim Schultz. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. No NASCAR winner announcements this weekend as the All-Star Race did not count toward the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. And when we do have the contest, I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Jim Schultz, Alex Faust, and Nick Kiprios for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers, I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day 
Good sports.